Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz composer, guitarist, and producer, Nashur Modi. He opens up about his new 2023 CD, A Love Song, that is a collection of contemporary instrumental jazz that pays tribute to love and life. Born in Bombay, India, his passion for music was evident from an early age. He immersed himself in the rich tapestry of Indian classical music and was heavily influenced by his cultural roots. He moved to the United States at the age of 22 and successfully sustained a career in both music and technology. We cover now, then, and the future ahead. Enjoy. Hey there. Hey Joe. How are you? What's going on? <laughs> not much, not much. Excited to be speaking with you. I am thank too, you for man. having me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for taking time out. I really enjoyed the album, and we had a fight to get to this point, huh? <laughs> I know, I know. It's just, it was so surreal, and uh, I'm just, I'm happy that you were flexible, because it was pretty last minute, and I hate doing, you know, last minute reschedules, so. No worries. Absolutely no worries. So before we get into your album, A Love Song, I want to know, you know, COVID really went through the jazz community pretty hard. And I'm curious how you survived that three-year period now that we're entering this post-pandemic phase of reality and how it changed you. Yeah, I don't know how I survived it. It was pretty crazy. I also um, did some pretty insane things during COVID. During that period, we... uh, we sold our home and we moved into Manhattan right when everybody else was fleeing Manhattan. Uh-huh. And, you know, but we, we at the time were living in New Rochelle, which was the, you want to even call it the epicenter of, you know, that's the first place where they deployed the National Guard when COVID hit. And uh, we had no idea. And then our phone started blowing up, you know, with texts from our friends saying, are you guys okay? And we're like, what's happening? <laughs> so we were pretty unawares about, about it. But then it became really serious. And we had put our home out for sale uh, in Westchester sometime back. So when the sale actually went through, it was like, you know, bang in the middle of 2020 in the August timeframe. And we moved in and then we did a full gutted renovation in a Manhattan place. And again, everybody said, you're nuts. You probably want to rethink this. Uh, and, you know, they were right. But I think at, in coming out of it and in hindsight, it all played out really positively for us. Uh, you know, we're living in a wonderful home now and uh, just, you know, very grateful. So from all of this birthed, all the songs and the tunes and, you know, even I feel like uh, the trying periods are fertile ground for inspiration for writing music. So that's how it kind of all came together for me. It was a big Bob Dylan moment for all of us, I think. I mean, if you couldn't get inspiration from what we've been living through, you shouldn't be in this profession of creating. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and But uh, with a positive uh, tone, at least for my music, yeah. my album had ended up with a, there was a silver lining at the end of it all for, for us. And I'm very grateful that we weren't, you know, impacted the way, adversely, the way some families have been. Uh, but but all in all, I think when looking back, we, we came out uh, much farther ahead than had it just been uh, life as normal. Uh, so the new pandemic, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the new album, A Love Song, is it kind of a, how does it feel? Is it kind of like a triumphant, you know, we're coming out, we're going to do live music, the world's coming back? You know, I love that you asked this question because it's, uh, when I had my band together and I typically give them notes and we talk a lot and we kind of talk about the intent of the music and Kate Victor uh, sings the lyrics to, it's just one track, which is the title track, but lyrics, and Kate Victor delivers them and I think she did an amazing job. But I remember writing to her and saying that, it's, it's, you're, we're not trying to make it anything. It's the truth. You know, it is what it is. 
it's something that I, you know, I turned 50 last year and it's, it's kind of like a, understanding of life, you know, without necessarily taking a negative connotation to it or a positive connotation. It, it is what it is. We survive in a system with cause and effect. Uh, you know, you realize things about friendship, relationships, where you live, who you live with, you know, your loved ones, what matters, what doesn't matter. And there isn't like, oh, this is so phenomenal or, oh my God, it's all hopeless. It really is just kind of like coming to terms with, you know, this is the truth. And uh, I, I really felt like she needed to not make it like a diva song, you know, or, or undersell it or be very like introspective just to kind of state it as it is. And I thought she, she really delivered on, on, on uh, deliver, uh, um, providing that message without coloring it right in any way, shape or form uh, for the user, for the listener, I should say. So speaking of the listener, what are you hoping the listener gets from this album? Yeah, so uh, my music, I, I try to, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I don't, I, I think of myself primarily as a composer. I don't try to force the composition uh, process. So I live life and then the inspiration hits and I write, write the music. Uh, I feel because the way the music is, is uh, conceived and then arranged, I feel like the stories of, and they're all stories, like that's how I, I come at it. I feel they're very relatable. I, People will hear it and they will be immediately, in my opinion, transported to a reflective moment or an inspirational moment or a hopeful moment. And I, I want listeners to kind of enjoy this because there's a storytelling arc not only in every song, but in the entire album. You know, it starts off with a hopeful note and then it goes into an awe, like an awestruck or wonderstruck note. Then it goes into some heavy music or I should say heavier, darker or we're reflecting on history and what it means to us today. And then it's kind of uh, letting go a renunciation of, you know, in the absence of answers of the track. And it's just like, let it be, let things happen. You know, we don't have to understand everything or force everything to kind of, you know, make sense of it, you know, trust your God, trust your intuition and do the right thing. And I think then the last song, a love song is just, you know, uh, brings it all together with uh, a narrative that's, you know, very simply stating what I've learned in my 50 years. So you're originally from India. Talk to me a little bit about how the seeds of jazz got into you, early influences, and how this took off for you to come to America. Yeah, so uh, I, uh, my father was a jazz, was a drummer, a jazz drummer. He was performing and stuff and, you know, in clubs and things like that. And, and, uh, and then he stopped performing like, when the kids were born and growing up. But he had this extensive record collection. So I grew up listening to just, you know, Dave Rebecca and Coltrane and Davis and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, even James Galway on flute and, you know, just like a complete Michael Jackson, the eclectic. Uh, but I remember uh, having these conversations with him where, like, I couldn't really understand why jazz. And then he would tell me, like, well, it's because it's really hard to play. It's intricate. It's not, you know, it's not uh, swill, you know, it, it gets into the, into the, meat and potatoes of music. And so then I started developing an appreciation for it, but I never really uh, started playing it. I'm also self-taught. So I was just, you know, playing pop rock, like garage band and, and, you know, being young and I guess uh, uninformed when I was 22 years old, I just, I, you know, I left everything back. I had a little family investment that we spent to pay for the first semester of my uh, postgraduate studies at New Jersey Institute of Technology in Newark. And I applied to go there because it was closest to Manhattan. 
you know, again, I'm, I'm, this is like in the nineties where we didn't have phones and things and we literally had to lay a map out and figure out how far you were from the city. And I came here with illusions of grandeur of becoming a rock star. This terrible guitar player, by the way, <laughs> and, and no, no, uh, understanding of, you know, uh, of what the instrument could be used, utilized for. And then serendipitously, I rented a room in the 1985 composer of the Danish composer of the year house in Newark, which, you know, this is in itself its own story because how does, you know, somebody who's on absolutely top of the game end up in a house in Newark and had this music, private music scene going on that I became a part of. Uh, and it's there because I was exposed to world-class musicians and not just the music, but the people. And I think that really is the key because you got to see who these people are who are making this music. And they're all deeply flawed and, you know, also deeply inspirational and, you know, the whole gamut of everything. Uh, but to see that as a young, young man at 22 and really get into it and see how not only they're playing, but they're inter interfacing with each other. They're interfacing with the community, with the clubs, with, you know, the ownership. How are they navigating all these, uh, these things? Uh, and so that's kind of where I learned not only the music, but also how to be uh, somebody who can organize people to an end. So what was the first live jazz show you saw that blew you away? Oh, so, uh, you know, I don't actually recall specifically, but I do remember uh, it wasn't a performance. So Attila Engen, who was this composer of the year from uh, Denmark, originally Turkish born person, uh, had a basement, which he had converted in the studio. And he had at the time a new world orchestra and they were rehearsing. And I remember going down to the, down in the basement and sitting, sitting by the rehearsal. And I called my mother that weekend because I would call back to India every week and telling her that this is the world's greatest band that I got to see. You know, it had such an impact on me as a young man that I, so that was the, that would have been like the, the first experience. And again, it was a jazz fusion it was fully, uh, it wasn't like bebop, bebop or, uh, or straight ahead or anything. This was like immersed in, in Turkish global, you know, uh, seven, eight rhythms, you know, just amazing, uh, things. And I remember being just not having my socks knocked off and, uh, and, uh, that, that made an impression to me. As obviously since then, I've seen everybody, Mike Stern, Schofield, uh, you know, uh, Victor Wood and all, all the guys. And, you know, I really have a great appreciation for watching them live as well. So as a practitioner of the jazz arts, you know, there's a lot that goes into you from composing to performing to recording. But what do you like the best? What is it that really gets you going about being a professional musician? Uh, so the way I compose, there is, there is a component. This composition is the short answer. I, I really, I, it's, it's almost spiritual for me because I'm, I become very silent and then the music just comes to me. I'm not, I don't, I've, I almost have to forget everything I know from a technical aspect when I compose. And then when the melody comes and I feel satisfied with it, I put it through some, uh, disciplines and, you know, either playing with a pedal tone or playing with the harmony, making sure the melody is still compelling through that, you know, and then when that all works out for me, I, I move forward. But that inspirational moment is pretty special for me, uh, you know, and I, I really cherish, uh, I, I cherish that that has become an experience that I have come to live with now. Yeah. If you could get into a time machine and see anybody in the history of jazz perform live, who would it be? Oh, 
I, uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Keith Jarrett and I know he's still with us and, you know, I haven't actually seen him live, but there's a part of me that almost doesn't want to meet my heroes. You know, yeah. <laughs> just, I just want to enjoy the music, but I, I, I love what Keith uh, Jarrett does. I, I love his composition. The fact that he's in the moment, you know, the fact that he sometimes gets upset with the audience. <laughs> you, you're a back and forth with him, but I, I really, I really appreciate uh, what he brings to the table from an artistic standpoint of creating in the moment, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I would enjoy that very much. So, from your perspective, coming back yourself into the music live music and with a recording how do you see the jazz community right now coming back do you think it's stronger than it was before what do you think the strength of the community is now i think the music community is is hungry to come together i think uh so i also serve as a board member for the new york chapter of the recording academy and one of the things that you know i'm tasked with is to ensure that we have a thriving music community. So I do see that there is definitely a bigger appetite for people to organize, uh, at least in the New York area, uh, you know, to support one another, uh, just to kind of move us ahead. And I, th- and I find that very heartening because I know what it was like in the nineties. I felt extremely isolated, uh, being an artist, uh, you know, and, and this feels very different even than, even from about five years ago, right? And so pre pandemic. As we head into the pandemic, I don't think, I think the pandemic has kind of allowed people to just take a moment to, to, to understand what's important in life. And then I think they're aligning towards those goals right now. So yeah, so my short answer would be, I, I feel pretty, very heartened by it. So everyone out there has a perception of you, your family, friends, fans, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I think I'm very complicated. I, uh, I think I'm complex even, uh, I, as I'm growing older, I'm becoming even more defined in my knowledge of what I like and what I don't like, who I like and who I don't like. And I seem to be, uh, setting up my thresholds very, very clearly. Uh, but yeah, but I, I feel, yeah, I, I don't, I feel it's hard to encapsulate an entire human being, especially with a diverse background. Like I've had a life story that's, that's had many ups and downs uh, to 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 be a single faceted object. I feel like it's multifaceted, and given the circumstance, I may respond in a manner that may surprise many people too. Yeah. So, a love song. Where can people pick it up? Where can they learn about live shows? Anything pertaining to your world? Yeah. So, my website is a great place to start. Nashamori.com. It's available on all all streaming platforms. All the usual. Uh, outlets that you would get music uh, and uh, in terms of live shows I just uh, you know I've been I've transitioned from doing like these uh, Nashamori sets uh, you know where we do the whole album to like doing showcases and I've been doing this for a few years now so it's a diverse uh, number of artists that get together and we recently performed in Newcastle I've done performances in San Fran LA Rhode Island uh, you know in, in, in spaces and so uh, we have one coming up in December in New York as well. That's going to be the Green Room 42, which is right next door. Uh, and uh, and then I'm, we're also performing in L.A. in October. So I'm really excited about that at the Clive Davis Theater. So, uh, you know, a lot of good things coming up. 
Right on, man. Hey, this has been great. Thank you so much for opening up. Thanks for your time. Best of luck with everything as we move forward. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. We give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in India, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Nashur for his time, energy, and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify. You can also subscribe to us at YouTube. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Jazz.